and welcome back, folks, to the latest, greatest episode of the Shaving Points Podcast. My name is Quentin Crisco. You can find me on Twitter at BuckusStats. And unfortunately, Jay cannot be here with us for the first part of this show, so you're stuck with me and our lovely guest, Lori Lattimore-Volkman. Lori, can you tell the people a little bit about yourself and where they can find your work? I will. First of all, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I am with SB Nation's Mile High Report, and you can find my work at milehighreport.com, and you can find me on Twitter at DocLLV. Um, that's the two places where I'm most active. I have been a Broncos fan since I was born a thousand years ago, and I've been through the ups and downs. It was a lot of down, then it was up for many years, and then it's kind of been down the last couple, so... Looking for a little bit of a resurgence so that my life on Twitter can be much happier. <laughs> and I've been staring at this Broncos roster and coaching staff for the last, like, and just going, like, it's got to work, right? <laughs> so let's just right? jump right in. What, what do you think the state of this team is? The roster, the franchise, the everything? Yeah, that, so that's a great question, and I'm glad you separated them because i think it's actually it could they could be very different answers so let's start with the franchise i think the franchise is in good shape we we finally got like real owners we'd been kind of in a um, state of flux where we'd had a trust who was operating the ownership after pat boland died but before they found an owner and that there were a lot of problems with that for a variety of reasons that don't matter but no one to make the hard decision right yeah, and, right. And there, was, there wasn't enough accountability and it allowed the franchise, I think, to kind of drift backwards without any real urgency to change it or to fix it. And and I don't think it was anybody's like, well, and here for one example, though, which could have changed completely the direction of the Broncos right now. But John Elway back in whichever year that he ended up, I think, hiring Vance Joseph. Um, so it was kind of the was after Kubiak, Gary Kubiak re- retired. Yeah, still on the Super Bowl high, right? Yeah, and and Kubiak did one more year, but then he decided that was enough. And you know, we went eight and eight that year, so it wasn't like a. It was the kind of year where it wasn't terrible. We didn't win anything, but we had just won the Super Bowl. So you give yourself, and we knew, and we lost Peyton Manning. So you kind of feel like that's okay. Right. <laughs> we can handle one There's of those. There's some leeway there. Yeah, <laughs> but then. Elway wanted to hire Kyle Shanahan and the the head of the trust I can, I'm blanking on his name because he doesn't he you know it was so irritating but he he did not like he had a big beef with Mike Shanahan years before and he wasn't even the GM I think I vaguely remember this so he would not let Elway hire Kyle and just I don't know. I think if you if you think about what would have happened to the Broncos if Kyle Shanahan had come in, um, whole different ball game. Yeah, and I think Vance Joseph w- w- did some things really well. I mean, he did our he was good at defense, and he was a first time head coach, and he had a lot of growing pains. But he also had a bad quarterback situation, and I think we know <laughs> if there's anyone to fix or to change a quarterback situation it's Kyle Shanahan. So I think we would have been in a very different spot with our quarterback problems, which we have continued to have the last seven years or six years. So 
I think that kind of thing showed where the, the ownership really did hamper and hamstring the franchise uh, or the lack of a true owner. And, and it was in the in and out of the courts. And it was just, it was a huge headache and, and distraction, mostly for the administration, but it, it impacts everyone, you know, it impacts the whole building, I think. So anyway, we got that settled. We have, <laughs> we have the Walton group that's got a ton of money and so far to Greg Penner, um, who's the son-in-law um, or maybe even grandson-in-law of, of Sam Walton, you know, like he has gotten really into the football side of it, not making decisions, but like being very interested in the football and recognizing the importance to fans. And it's, it's been really refreshing because Pat Bolin was such an anomaly, you know, for a, a an owner like he loved football he loved the game he he was hands off but he spent a lot of money on the facilities and gave shanahan whatever he wanted you know within what we could afford but that was quite a bit and he he just did so much for the game and we were very spoiled to be honest and then when you get new owners you never know like are they just going to be in this for the money are they going to kind of are they going to care about about the football and Greg Penner, they're putting money into the same things Pat Boland put money into, fixing the facilities, upgrading the, you know, the staff, upgrading the training facilities and the, and the, the health and nutrition and like yeah, the weight like, rooms and yeah. everything. Right. And things that really matter to players a lot and ultimately trickle down to affecting the performance of your team at, you know, at some point. So the fact that he's really into, to improving football but you know letting the coaches and everybody make all those choices and and you know not trying to not trying to make the decisions when in a place he doesn't know anything i i look at that as such a positive and 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 a good future for the for the franchise down the road and bringing in sean payton definitely shows that and sean payton and Greg penner get along really well so we've got already a good head coach G, you know um gm and owner good relationship there so i think all those things are so healthy and we probably overlooked them before but after the past six years it's been pretty obvious that you really need a good situation in all three of those spots to, to then be able to build your team the way you want to long term yeah about the roster i would say who knows? <laughs> well, like, just like you said, it should work, but it hasn't worked yet. And we're, so there's a lot of question marks and, you know, Russell Wilson's the biggest one. And, you know, whether, whether Sean Payton is the kind of the, the magic wand there to get him back to where he was, or at least back to being good enough um, to lead a team really into some big wins and to the playoffs. I think that's a little bit unknown. We're certainly crossing our fingers and hoping and assuming that it's going to be the case, um, but we don't know. And our, you know, our best running back is coming back from a big knee injury. Our wide receiver room, we had injuries and Jerry Judy was off and on. And like, we have players that should be amazing, but we just don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. And defense, you know, defense has been great and has remained really good. Um, I think the question mark there might be leadership. Um, Vance Joseph is known for, for being a good defensive coordinator. Um, 
but we had a really good defensive coordinator last year and and um you know like you we lost a few players i think we replaced them with pretty much about the same level but our secondary is is a little thin and so it, you know there's there's still some question marks of whether we can be as dominant as we've been so i can't tell you how we're going to be as a as a team yet but i i think if this year doesn't work out i think we have the ownership in place and we have the coach in place that will ultimately build us to get us back to where we need to be within two or three years. Yeah. So there's, there's two things you mentioned that really, really, the first really resonated with me and the other is just something that I feel like I, I gotta say, cause I spent way too many hours looking up a ton of data on it. But so the first thing about ownership that just loves football and it really, that really resonates with me as a bears fan and i feel like i need to need to say this about it like one thing i always question about the bears ownership is like i'm not sure they love football more than they love owning a football team yeah. you know it's like they're they're not invested in the sport in the game they're invested in the team that their great grandfather and grandfather started you know right. so it, it feels like different things and i think you're right i think that's the type of thing that does go down in the top down in an yeah. organization that passion now the second thing is about sean payton Whew, you don't find coaches like this much. you just don't <laughs> i mean right. so the, you don't find super bowl winning head coaches very often period history says when you do it's usually a struggle but a lot of those guys were over the hill Almost, you know, you got, you're like right. Marty Schottenheimer's in 2001. He's pushing 70 and you're Joe Gibbs coming back to Washington in 2004 after like a decade off and stuff like that. And Dick Vermeil with KC, like it was just times were kind of past some of these guys. With Sean Payton, he was so young when he yeah. came in. Nine playoff appearances, essentially the most comparable guy I'm seeing is Andy Reid, as far as like a guy who's had this type of success yeah. year in, year out offensively, who just stuff kind of soured where he was at with another team and he left it. He's just taking his second shot now, which yeah. I, I, th I think there's a lot to like here. You look at his numbers here. This is Sean Payton's offensive stats. And that's a lot of green. <laughs> yeah. That is a lot of green. I mean, you see the rushing offense is almost always top 10 even. And I mean, he's considered a passing guy. The only year that was really down was 2021 when they had all sorts of injuries. I mean, I, I believe before Breeze went down in 21, they were still top 15 in most of these stats. Yeah. And yeah. There's a lot to really like with what right. Sean Payton's bringing to the table. My second question is... What's the thing you're most excited for with the Broncos this year? It might be different from last year. It might just be, you know, a slight adjustment. Well, it's going to sound like a, maybe like we planned this or like I'm just copycatting, but I am most excited about Sean Payton. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, to add to that, what I'm excited about is to see, I'm excited to see someone finally give us an offense that will be fun to watch. Whatever that means. Like, I don't care if it's a running game. <laughs> I don't. I don't care. I don't care if it's the offensive line just pushing us all the way to the goal line. Like, hey, I'm that's just, fun. Yeah. 
The goal line is fun. Scoring is fun. We haven't done that. It, you know, last year, I just read this stat, which I knew but hadn't really remembered how really embarrassing it was. But so, you know, the first um, 15 games, Nathaniel Hackett was the coach. And then he got fired with two weeks left. And we had our, like, he wasn't even our assistant. He was the guy, it was Jerry Rosberg was a guy that, Nathaniel Hackett actually brought in to help him manage the clock, essentially manage the game in week four, week five, because he had done so poorly. And, you know, credit to Nathaniel for always, he was always good about trying to do whatever it would be to improve him and improve the team. It just didn't work. But anyway, those first 15 games, our average offense, like the number of points we scored was 15.1 or something. The last two weeks with the new guy who made a couple of changes, our average scoring was 27 points. And that and that was like against KC on one of them and the Raiders, I think. So when you when you look at how poor our offense was, even with all these wide receivers that are supposed to be hot stuff, and with Russell Wilson, like we we couldn't score more than two touchdowns most games. So I'm I'm excited for whatever Sean Payton's going to do because I know it will be a an offense. It will be it'll be fun games. Watch. Yeah, I think uh, when I was diving into Russ's stats, one of the things I noticed was the last two weeks of the year were one of the highest play action rates of the year for the offense. And I mean, I can't sit here and say that play action is a you know solve all for everything because if the run game isn't going, it still helps some, but it's not, it's not the effects that you need. And that was the reason why I pointed out Sean Payton's run rush offense stats. I think Sean Payton's walking into here saying, I know I need a strong ground game. If I'm going to get Russ back to where he needs to be to, to maxing out the shotgun and maxing out what we can do away from the middle of the field, because that's where Russ has always thrived at is on the boundaries. Right. And hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah. I mean, it's. That's the funny thing is, it wasn't even a magic formula. We knew all season we would talk about it. SB Nation, like, where's the play action? And Hackett would talk about it. Then they'd like throw it in, but then they'd take it away. It was just very inconsistent, and you can't do that with the play action. Like the whole point of it is that you you do it, and you can do what you need to do. It was terrible. One week they're up near the top of the league in play action rate. The next week they literally use like one play. It was like, it was very bizarre when I was looking at the numbers. It is. It almost, and I, I say this without having any knowledge of what was going on in that building or like what players to coaches, but it felt like a power struggle between two people. One saying we need play action. The other saying, okay, we use it last week. Now it's my turn. Yeah. Like, yeah. It it felt like they were always just throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what would stick, you know? And it's like, you're the head coach or you're like, and you're supposed to come in with the scheme and have a plan. And I think, I don't know that Russell Wilson was making a power play against Nathaniel Hackett, but I think, I think Nathaniel Hackett was too quick to like, try to say, let's let, we're going to do what's good for Russell, but he didn't really know how to do that. And then he yeah. didn't, Russell didn't know how to say, let's just do this. You know, like they were both too new at running the show because, you know, Russell always just did whatever um, Pete Carroll told him to do. I mean, Pete Carroll is a very domineering coach. And 
And I think Russell Wilson didn't like that so much. And that's part of why he wanted out at Seattle, but he also didn't know how to just go in and do it. Like he, I think he wants to be a pocket passer and he's not, or I think he wanted to try that. But yeah. anyway, it, what you're saying, I think is exactly what happened. I don't know why it was happening because it, it was funny because it wasn't like you had typical two really strong personalities going up against each other. It's almost like you had two people who really wanted to make it work, but didn't, couldn't let the other one just take charge or, you know, didn't know how to, didn't know how to work that way. And so we were constantly, no one could figure out what our identity was on offense. And there's no way that that problem will happen under Sean Payton. (laughs) No, no way. Everyone knows whose voice is loudest in the room in Sean Payton. And I think that's also why it's going to be good for Russell Wilson, because, you know, whether at whatever point last year, he, I'm sure, realized it wasn't working for him and he couldn't maybe do what he thought he was going to do. And so it humbled him quite a bit to the point where I think he will listen to whatever Sean Payton wants to tell him. in, at the end of the day, Russell Wilson wants to win also, and he'll pretty much do whatever that takes. So, um, and I think he trusts Sean Payton because as you mentioned, I mean, he's got such a resume. Who, what, who's going to come in and say, yeah, you've won a Super Bowl, you've gone to the playoffs, but I don't think you know what you're doing. <laughs> so, yeah. That's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to be said for a guy. I mean, New York, the New York Jets have some of it right now. You see what Aaron Rodgers is saying about what he wants their offense to be. And there's this nostalgia to be the Peyton Manning sitting in the pocket, tearing you up over the middle of the field into the danger zone because you're just that good. That's what every quarterback, I think, wants to be yeah. at their heart. And yeah. it's like a big part of it is NFL defense started taking that away a few years ago. Yeah. Like that that's just not really there anymore unless you're otherworldly good. Unless you're like a a, a Pat Mahomes might be a, a dirty word to Brian. Yeah, Mahomes. yeah, it is. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, I think and I even would argue, I mean, Pat Mahomes is amazing, but he he's amazing athletically. And I and I think he's, you know, very good. But Peyton Manning and I even don't really want to admit this, but even like Tom Brady. And, and probably Drew Brees, like those guys, be, they had a different skill set that you don't see in these other yeah. quarterbacks, which was that that anticipating what the defense was going to do because they they had done so much film study and they knew what the the thing was that was likely to be done and they and they could look at the formation and break it down in a millisecond. You know, I mean, yeah. Peyton Manning's ability to break down the defense so quickly and still get the ball off quickly is it is kind of otherworldly like i don't i don't but and he would not get away with that as much now because of the defenses but you know he just needs he just needs another good they they just still needed maybe one more half second from the offensive line and they'd have it you know like yeah just have a mind for that that i don't think most of our quarterbacks have anymore because they don't learn it they don't maybe need to have it well maybe that's not right but they haven't they haven't had to survive on it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, know. I mean, the quarterbacks have been getting, the position itself has become more and more athletic every year. Right. It's become more, of, you know, you, you guys know that for sure. Quarterback. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're very excited about that. But um, one other thing I pulled up for Wix here was I was trying so hard to find veteran quarterbacks who change teams like 
I, I initially tried to find former pro bowlers who changed teams, but there's only like four. So it's, it's not even worth looking for. <laughs> uh, but so I ended up settling for veteran quarterbacks, you know, had been established starters in the league who switched teams underwhelmed their first year uh-huh. and how they did in their second year. And so I end up with Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Carson Palmer with, with Arizona. Um, I didn't count his, his, uh, his Raiders stint there. Yeah, but, right. And, and then uh, your guy's old pal, Jay Cutler. Both <laughs> Jay Cutler. He's your pal, <laughs> too. And then uh, Matt Castle and Trent Green. And every wow. one of these guys mentioned. So, I mean, it's it's not the most impressive list. Don't get me wrong there. But every one of these guys mentioned were in the bottom 12 of the NFL in EPA per play their first year on the new team. And all except for one was in top 10 for EPA the second. Oh, that's, well, I like that stat. Nice to know. Yeah. The the one was Jacob. That makes you feel warm and fuzzy. <laughs> it does, kind of. <laughs> and then, let's see, four of the six made the playoffs the next year as well. And four of those six had a change of offense. Oh, so, wow. Well, that's, an, that's interesting. I think there's something to be said for a guy having to look himself in the mirror after a year with a new team and say, like, I got to figure something out because I can't do this again. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned Aaron Rodgers, and I will be really interested to see what happens there because, of course, Hackett is going to be his his offensive coordinator. Yeah. And so, you know, Broncos fans are going to be very interested just to see what happens to Hackett. But, you know, I don't think Hackett will be running the show. I mean, I think it'll be just the same as it was at the Packers where Aaron Rodgers will essentially yeah. be the OC. And then the head coach of the Jets is great head coach. And so I imagine they'll work together more than Hackett and Salah will. Yeah, I imagine Salah will. It's it's hard to say until, like, you see it. Yeah. Though. I guess, it's like, I mean, being a being a Bears fan, you know, I've seen some really good defense. Lovey Smith was a really good coach for us. But you yeah. could never figure out anything on the offensive side, you know? So I, I, yeah. I, I just can't give someone that credit until I've seen it. Yeah. Um, but with, with Hackett, I do... I, I do worry a little bit if Rogers' arm is at all tailing off, and like I like I mentioned, the uh, the ideal that these guys want to live up to, being that pocket passing slinger yeah. who can just yeah. tear you up over the middle. Yeah. If he can't, if he can't nail those throws down, yeah, Hackett's the same guy who I think just like kind of get out of hand last year with the guy yeah. trying. Yeah. I think what we what became very clear to me too, like there were all kinds of issues as we already talked about, but I just I just came away every week thinking he didn't he just really isn't as good at offense as we thought. Like and we didn't we didn't understand that I mean we knew he wasn't calling the plays at the Packers. We knew that LaFleur was doing it, but we let I mean we being ownership who hired him and whatever just kind of let that slide like that. Well, that's okay. He had Aaron Rodgers and they had this offense and he'll know what he's doing. And I just think it became very clear. He really doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. He knows some football <laughs> and he's been around football and I'm sure he knows some good offenses, but it's different to know offense and from also being able to apply that to the players you have. And he was just no good at doing that for us. Yeah. It's a very different game. Once Like at that aspect beyond just no. Uh, right, now, right. one more question here for you. What's a change you're you're worried about or nervous about with the Broncos this year? 
I should qualify that as I'm always nervous about everything <laughs> because I've been a fan for so long and I watch every game and I just, I never am confident we're going to win a game, even when we're the favored one. But just looking at the team um, as it is, I think probably what I am the most worried about is, is the defense falling off a little bit. I like Vance Joseph. Um, you know, I thought he had a, he just had a bad situation when he was our head coach. So I think he's a good defensive coordinator. He loves his defensive backs. And we have a couple very good. We have a great safety in Justin Simmons and, and Kareem Jackson. He's getting a little older, but I think he's, you know, he's very, very good still. But then in the, at the cornerback, we have Pat Sertan, who's amazing. But then after that, we've got like kind of this handful of, relatively untested players. Damari Mathis is probably going to be opposite him and he's just a second year player and he had a little bit of a rough start last year. Um, but kind of, you know, he, he, yeah. he got a lot better, but I still his, feel uh, like for what know, it's worth, his stats came out really well by the end of the year. Yeah. Like, they, they, they were like, definitely you could see that it was a roller coaster, yeah. but like his overall stats did, he did show down. something to, to be yeah. excited about. He did have some, you know, and he did have some big plays near the end too. But then once you go beyond our starters, I feel like the depth is very thin. And when you're playing in our in the AFC West and you're playing the offenses that we're playing and you're playing the receivers we're playing, I probably am the most worried about our secondary, you know, being able to hold up all season to the offenses we're going to play. I think that makes sense. And I think so. For every one of these, I go I go through pretty much the whole roster, and I'm I'm just digging in. And depth is really the biggest thing that I'm looking for. Edge rush too. That's also another yeah. Spot. And, and so I I don't know if this is comforting or not. Very few teams have any real depth at cornerback so far that I've looked at, and this is. This is the fourth AFC division where that we've done. Like that, there were one or two that you felt good about the depth, but the rest yeah. is kind of like, man, I I really can't tell you that much about Isang Bassi or Tremont, a Tremont Smith. I just don't know. <laughs> Isang Bassi's had a tough. Like he's come in and had some, you know, like we put these guys in and they're third, fourth string, and they're going up against you know some top, you know, not just the yeah. wide receiver one or two from a team, but a team that's got you know some really top receivers so he's you know they've 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 been highly tested but yeah he's he's i mean he wouldn't make the roster on any other team either you know he's definitely third string fourth string whatever he is i do think riley moss has a chance to give you guys some quality depth and so our rookies seem impressive you know i but you never know because they're rookies so yeah. you hope they get yeah. in hope they play and that you hope that they are what you were hoping that's another thing though with Sean Payton being part of this draft and before the draft I had been talking on a radio show and I said one of the things I'm going to be interested at the draft is less about the players and more um, about the power play between him and George Payton the GM. Um, George Payton loves to trade back and and get a lot of picks and he, he just likes to have a lot of picks and he likes to Oh that's it. not the New Orleans strategy. No <laughs> and no it's not and and Sean Payton loves to get the better guy. And, you know, if he has a lot of picks, he'll trade them to go up and, you know, and, and get, you know, 
trade two picks to get one higher pick. And that's exactly what happened. We ended up with only five draft picks. Um, and, you know, last year, I think we had 10, you know, before you get the undrafted players. So I was, so I thought to my, like, I like to see that Sean Payton's philosophy won out because that means he was getting players he believes in. And he's been, he's had a pretty good record in terms of picking players and finding talent. So, so I'm hopeful that guys like Riley Moss and, you know, um, uh, who's the other guy, Sanders, you know, that these guys are going to be, they're, they're probably going to be playing, hopefully, maybe not right away, they'll be in there soon. I did a lot of draft coverage this year. And I got to say, you guys, I thought you guys got some of the most bang for your buck in the entire Yeah. As far as the the players and where you got them. Like Marvin Mims is a guy I was high on. Drew Sanders, I thought, was a borderline first round talent. He's a linebacker, so you weren't sure he was going to go that high. Especially being a tweener linebacker. I'm interested to see what Vance Joseph can do with him. Yeah. And and he's probably perfect in a Vance Joseph defense, you know. Joseph yeah. likes to use his linebackers a lot and use them even for DBs, kind of. So, yeah. And then, so, I got to ask about the other guy who was one of my... I'm, I'm an offensive line lineman at heart. I love, <laughs> I love scouting offensive line. I love watching it. Alex Forsythe was unreasonably one of my favorite players in this draft. The center, yeah. I, I picked up 257. I'm yeah. curious to see if he's going to push Cushenberry at all I think I think a lot of people are expecting him to he remind me though did he drop because of injury probably usually when I like a guy this much and (laughs) he falls this far it means there's non-public injury information that's like really pushing him down and so that would be what I imagine it was um but I I don't I don't remember any major injuries that were you know clearly available yeah yeah well i remember like you know i followed dame brugler a lot and i he he had foresight as like i don't know top five in his among the centers you know in the draft which seems like you know so i think he had him in a high like fifth round essentially grade and we got him in the seventh so again great value and potentially i think uh you know definitely a a guy to push cushionberry It'll be good because Cushenberry, I mean, it's been a little tough for him too because our offensive line has been terrible. And I think sometimes he's looked worse than he actually is. It's partly just the position he's in trying to do too many, you know, trying to do too many things, make up for, you know, mistakes and and weaknesses. Um, But when he came out, I remember, you know, like they talked about him being a, a smart guy, you know, so he he understands the offense well. He picks up the offensive scheme well. Um, so, I, you know, hopefully, it just makes him better. But I, I think down the, I think the time is coming <laughs> at some yeah. point. Too. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty intrigued by this offensive line group as a whole. I mean, Cushenberry is a guy who I'm probably not as high on anymore, but like. Right. could definitely prove me wrong there as well. It's not like I sit here watching his all 22 all the time either. So right. I can't say I'm right. an expert. Um, right. But I mean, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the numbers flush out pretty well for Cameron Fleming, who's now a swing tackle, which yeah. probably makes this one of the deeper tackles in the NFL, I think. Just having three guys who you feel like you can start on any any given subject. 
Yeah, which is interesting because you know we like we've offensive line has been our Achilles heel for years. I mean, even even with Peyton Manning, but Manning just was able to cover it up so well that we didn't quite notice how yeah. bad it was. And then on the interior, I mean, Quinn Miners is if you're if you're an offensive lineman guy, you have to Quinn Miners. Yeah. And Ben yeah. Powers, he really played well last year as a pass protector, at least. I mean, his run blocking left a little bit desired, but. I feel like this is a well-rounded group that should be able to, uh, to do some damage for Sean Payton. Yeah. Well, I mean, this was another place where Sean Payton's philosophy went out big. When we free agency, we spent a lot of money and we mostly went on, you know, went on offense and offensive line. So, and he talked about before he even came to the Broncos, but when it was, you know, they were kind of tying him to the Broncos and the Broncos were interested and all that. And he would talk about how Russ Wilson's biggest problem was the offensive line. You know, like part, or at least Russ Wilson's performance problems were due in part to a bad offensive line. And he said early on, you know, the way you fix that is through free agency, <laughs> and you and you do the other a little bit in the draft maybe. But he went hard for that offensive line in free agency, and we spent the money, and it should be much improved. Yeah. Now. On Garrett Bowles, I, I didn't catch what his injury was last year, but is he is he back in camp in full full go, or is it still kind of tender? Uh, no, I think he is he is back in camp. I don't know if he's you know like they haven't done a whole lot. Right, right. Or I guess yeah. not even camp OTAs. <laughs> I don't think he. I, I don't think there's any concern that he won't be like fully ready by training camp. Okay, and then uh, you mentioned a little earlier with uh, Javante Williams. How's, how's his injury progressed throughout the offseason? I feel like I've seen some really optimistic takes and I'm not sure where to actually trust it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a... It's been funny because it's been... There have been optimistic takes and then, and then it will seem like he's backwards because you'll hear something that said he's not going to be ready, is going to be ready, it's going well, he's a little bit behind. Like, it's been very... <laughs> been kind of up and down the way the reporting's gone. He's been practicing, though, and, like, they've... They've talked about in, you know, in OTAs and then even in the mini camp, he's been running around. So, okay. and Sean Payton has said now officially, I mean, not, I mean, he has said, I shouldn't say he said officially, but he has actually answered the question in the press conferences that he does not expect Devonte to start on the pup list. So okay. he, sh he should be, he should be ready to go. Now, how strong he is and how, much of a you know starter and back to full form by training camp and and week one, I you know who knows yet. They're all they're you know they're not doing anything that matters yet. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and then I got one more question, or really two, but it's about one position on the offense here with receiver. So I mean, I feel like we have a pretty good idea what Portland Sutton is after he came back last year from the injury and Jerry Judy started to really show some of what he could be last year. But where's Tim Patrick within he, this roster? Yeah, Tim Patrick is interesting. I think he's the kind of receiver Sean Payton will really like. So I think he'll actually, you know, he's always been like the bubble, on the bubble for the wide receiver group, like in training camp and yeah. making the roster. And it always would depend on if we we're going to do five receivers or six. And most people would put him back at five, six, seven. Um, and I think last year he made the roster and was listed as five. But then 
he'd be the guy. He was always the most consistent. He, you know, he'd he'd be back on the roster, but because other guys would get hurt, he'd be playing, and you know, he'd come up with big plays. He yeah, he always pops the ball. I mean, I think he's I think he's a great receiver. He's a big guy, um, so you know, big bodied and uh, and unafraid. <laughs> you know, yeah. like so. Assuming he, you know, his knee is in good shape and he's he's back on track, I think I think Sean Payton will use him a lot. Yeah, I mean, is Sean Payton likes underdogs at receiver. You think back yeah. to was it uh, uh, Marcus Colston, and uh, yeah. he, he's had a few other UDFA types like in his time in New Orleans that really kind of came up big for. Him. And then the, so the other question I had at wide receiver is. How quickly, if at all, do you think Marvin Mims is going to push KJ t- KJ Hamler for playtime, even steal playtime? I I do. I love KJ Hamler. I mean, he. I don't know if you know his story a little bit, but you know, he had a tough time. Not last year, but the year before. He got he had a major injury, like knee, hip. It was it was bigger than we knew at the time. We learned actually later in the off season or in last year in training camp that it had been. It had been rough and he went through a lot of depression and he, and he you know, kind of had to really seek out some help. And he talked a lot about that last year in training camp. And it was it was great. It was great to, that he opened up. And I think it, it started a lot of conversations, not just with the Broncos, but, you know, among athletes in the NFL. And and so he's he's a great guy. A, um, just I just love his story and I love his the way he, you know, kind of attacked that whole you know, thing that he dealt with, you know, he went head on and said, I'm going to, I'm going to do this right. And I'm going to help myself and whatever, but he's fragile. <laughs> I, I, you know, he, he's just had, he had hamstring injuries bothering him all last year. You know, he's had, I think some other problems still with his knee. So I just don't think he's, he's got the stability to maintain a long NFL career, unfortunately. So I think Marvin Mims will, will push that spot right away. Okay. That, that that's what I was hoping to hear cuz I just drafted yeah. him dynasty the other day. So, um yeah. Now, let, let's take a look at some of the uh s- some of the the Vegas totals here. So, at over <laughs> under eight and a half. You think that's high? You think that's low? You think you think 9 wins is a fair expectation for this team or you think even 10 11 makes sense or you think it's all too optimistic? Um, no, I think it's a good, I think it's actually a very fair prediction. Maybe even a little optimistic when it's funny, like when I, when we get Sean Payton and we know we have all these weapons and it's like, you, you think as a Broncos fan, all right, this is the year we go to the playoffs. Well, you know, to go to the playoffs, you pretty much figure 10, 11 wins, right? I mean, yeah. May, now with the 17 game schedule, probably 11 at least, maybe, maybe 12, depending on your division so when you go back and look at our schedule and you try to look at the games it's kind of hard honestly to pick 11 12 games that you're pretty sure we can win <laughs> so, yeah. so i am hopeful we can win nine and finally have a winning season but i think that's gonna mean we win a few games you wouldn't have expected we you know we we don't lose some games um i mean we we lose some but we don't lose as many as we, you know, we, we could actually, we get like, we, yeah. we get away with a few is what I'm getting at. 
So I'm going to put my my optimist hat on <laughs> and run through this schedule. So Raiders, that's a win. Washington, <laughs> like that. that's a win. My in Miami. In September. September in Miami. Yeah, that's a loss. It is a loss. In Chicago. That was I, tough. I'm not sure I can go against my guys. I probably should. I'll, I'll give them it because I think that's the logical answer. I, I'm going to give you? it to the Broncos. But yeah. there's just a lot of questions on the Bears. Like that can flip it for me. Right, right. <laughs> the Jets at mile high. I'll give them that one. I think the Jets have a lot of changes coming in, and that's they're coming into mile high in what October? I don't think that's easy. Right. Uh, Wait, early October, I think you're right. Kansas City, I got a uh, so me and my co-host, we're both Texas Tech grads. We are big Pat Mahomes guys, yeah. so yeah. I gotta give that to Mahomes. And is that Green that Bay? One, is that one in Kansas City or is that one in Denver? The first one. That one is Thursday night in Kansas City. Yeah. And fun fact for you. Thursday night home teams cover cover the spread at like 65%. Yeah. So, Here's another fun fact. The last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead was the Thursday night game of that of the Super Bowl winning season. Really? Uh, yeah. If you which was I mean, you may not be familiar with this game, but we call it the scoop and score game because it was the game that um uh, the running back um, fumbled and Bradley Roby scooped it up and, you know, ran it in for a touchdown with like, I mean, seconds left and we ended up winning. <laughs> we were losing. So, you know, it was a big, a big deal. But that's the last time we beat them it was a Thursday night. Okay. So it's staying in KC for that one. Uh, <laughs> next one. Green Bay at home. I'll give them that. So we're at five I think we already. win that one. Yep. Uh, Casey in Denver. I, I sorry. I give it to Pat. I'm sorry. The ketchup man is going to take that. <laughs> uh, and then coming off the bye, this one's really interesting. Monday Night Football in Buffalo off the bye. No I'm way. Going, I'm going the home team, but it's Sean Payton off a bye as a dog is really interesting because he's going to be a dog in this game unless Josh yeah. Allen's hurt. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm going to go Bills there. Minnesota, they were the biggest frauds in the NFL last year. We're not nice. uh, we're nice. not even playing with that one. So we're, we're giving them six. Cleveland, that's a real toss-up. Yeah, yeah. Depends that's, a lot on how, you know, how they're playing. Yeah, I'm going I'm to I'm come back to that. <laughs> um, at Houston, I'll give them. Yeah. That's seven at Chargers. I'm going to say they split with the Chargers. So I'm going to give this yeah. one the Chargers. At Detroit. Detroit's getting better, <laughs> as you guys know. I'm giving De I'm giving Detroit this one, I yeah. think. Just because it, it's my, in Detroit. With my cohorts, we uh, we gave, when we did this at the beginning, you know, like what, right when the schedule came out, we did a little podcast, and I think we all picked Detroit on that one. And then I'll give them New England and the next Chargers. They split with the Chargers. So that gets us to nine right there. And then they're going to beat the Raiders again. So that's 10. I don't even have to give them the Cleveland game. And they, they, <laughs> we've got 10 wins. 
All right. I, I think Broncos for the playoffs is one of my favorite bets this year. Yeah. So I am I am optimistic for the playoffs, but it's it's like it's I feel like it's kind of my orange Kool-Aid, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid to be that optimistic. But I'll tell you, I'm a little worried about that first game against the Raiders, and I shouldn't be, but I just I'm you know, it's the first game and there's so much riding on it. It's at home. There's going to be a lot of pressure. Everyone's going to be looking to see if Russell Wilson's better, if Sean Payton knows what he's doing with us, you know, like. Yeah. And those games are sometimes the ones where I feel like we fall flat, the big, you know, the big hype. So I don't know. I'm kind of worried about it, even though maybe I shouldn't be worried about the Raiders. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's some merit to, and I'd have to go back and look at what McDaniels did his first games in previous seasons. But I think there's definitely some merit to being a little worried about a offensive schemer who's had all off season to plan <laughs> how he's going to do this week one. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I can understand being a little worried about that, but yeah, outside of that, I mean, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm going to touch division here paying five to one or AFC champs at what, what is it? 25 to one and Super Bowl at 40 to one. But (laughs) to make the playoffs, I like it. I I think I like that one a lot. And I, I mean, if you wanted to sprinkle AFC champs here, I could understand it at 25 to one. I mean, why not? But maybe, but it's that one is, I feel like, I I think it's still KC for another year at least. Yeah. Um, My hope is that we're we're second because by being second, that would solidify us as being in a in a on a good trajectory because Chargers are good. They just always have bad luck, to be honest, and kind of a little quirky with their coach. Chargers but, gonna charge her. Right. But Herbert is a good quarterback and he's still young. And I you know, like I feel like in fact, honestly, I feel about him a little bit the way I always felt about Philip Rivers. Like Rivers was crazy and he could, you know, like you sometimes you thought like he's just gonna blow up but other times man he he could move that ball down the field really fast and i always i always worry about herbert like he is good and you know you you need to we got to play well to beat them all the way to the end of the game so i'm yeah. always you know <laughs> a little you'll always make it tight may, may yeah. make it hard and, you know, division rivals you know how that is like they you tend to everyone plays better or plays closer even when you're not really you know, as well matched as you should be. But um, I think KC is still just too dominant. And, you know, being they, now Patrick Mahomes has gone through everything and still done well. So <laughs> He's just, I hope people realize what we're watching with it. Like, it's not even as just like a biased fan, you know, watched <laughs> him in college, but like rolling through his stats, it's just, it's miraculous what he did last year. Yeah, shipping out their best receiver and just he just kept chugging along and then yeah. oh high ankle sprain doesn't matter yeah. I'll just keep doing it I but I think that's all we got for the Broncos we appreciate you coming on um why don't you tell everybody again one more time where they can find you in your work okay well you can find my my work my writing at milehighreport.com and you can find me on Twitter at DocLLV. And I should have said earlier, I also do a YouTube show called The Roundup. And you can find that on MHR Live on YouTube. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, 
we have the man himself, Jaden May, here to give you his thoughts on the Broncos as well. Looking at this Broncos team, I think uh, I really expect Russell Wilson to bounce back what he was in Seattle with that Sean Payton offense coming in here. The rest of the division, I mean, outside of the Chiefs, I don't think is too terribly strong. So, I mean, I definitely think there's room for improvement on this team. Still loaded at wide receiver. If Javante Williams comes back solid and healthy, uh, that combination with Smudge Piran could be pretty good. So, looking at this over under eight and a half wins, I, I think that's kind of right for him between eight and ten. So, I'm probably staying away from that. But I do like the playoffs at plus 200 if I'm if I'm looking at futures for this team. Uh, I think I think nine wins can get you in the playoffs this year in the AFC. I, I think the AFC is loaded, but that just means that it's going to take less wins to get to make the playoffs. So, I think they're going to be right in the right in the mix for playoffs. I just gave him 10 wins with our guests, so <laughs> I'm with you. I, I like this defense a lot, and then I, I like Sh- Sean Payton coming in, and then obviously Jerry Judy uh, coming back. Portland Sutton's still a beast. KJ uh, Hamlin, they got a track team out there, so. Well, Marvin Mims is going to be taking Hamlin's job before you know it. Yeah, I'm really, really excited for the, uh, to see what this team was. I was really excited for him last year, too. Obviously, that didn't go too well. New coaching staff coming in. I, I, I think get back to what Russ does best, uh, running off the play action and stuff like that. And I think Sean Payton's going to have this team right. All right, well, let's get to the boys. Oh, jumping right into it. Oh, yeah. Drop it like it's hot. They're going to win the division. Probably going to make the AFC Championship. Probably going back to the Super Bowl. I mean, it begins and ends with the man himself, Pat, Pat, Pat Mahomes. I mean, I... Proved it last year. I mean, he lost talent at wide receiver and still put up record numbers. Travis Kelsey puts up wide receiver one numbers at the tight end position. If, if we could just get one of these receivers to step up between Valdez or Sky Moore, I really like Kadarius Tony in this offense. If that man could stay healthy, always have some sort of gadget play with him. If he's healthy in the game, it's like he's always good for any time touchdown. I took it in the Super Bowl. But, I mean, Andy Reid loves this guy. So, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he has double-digit touchdowns this year. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he has double-digit touchdowns with, like, less than 500 yards receiving. Double-digit touchdowns on single-digit touches? (laughs) (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Basically. But, no, I I like this team a lot. Isaiah Pacheco really came into his own last year. They haven't really had a running back hold that um, starting role. And that Andy Reid offense, basically, they since he's need, gotten there, this this might be one of the deepest running back rooms in the NFL, and it doesn't have a star. And that like I'm cool with that. Like Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is still there. Like if you have your top two backs go down, you still have Clyde Edwards Hilaire and the Michael P Ryan behind him. Who sure he hasn't done a lot in this league, but like he's better than most teams' fourth stringer. Yeah, and then I mean, looking at this offensive line. Solid in the middle, got some question marks at tackle. But, I mean, Pat is one every single way. He's one with bad O-lines. He's one with good O-lines. He's one with star receiver talent. He's one with no receiver talent. He's one with good defense. He's one with bad defense. I mean, he just wins. I mean, I, so, I think. I was just to say the questions at tackle, the questions are all about run blocking. These guys are top tier pass Yeah, and I mean, 
Andy Reid's a wizard at run the ball too, so I mean he can make that work. But I think, assuming everybody stays healthy, it's over eleven and a half wins. It's win the division. It's AFC Championship, and you got to sprinkle something on the Super Bowl. I mean, Pat's made the AFC Championship every year. He's been a starter in the league. He's been to three Super Bowls. He's won two. I mean, it's just at plus six hundred, just throw half a unit on there and most likely you'll have at worst a good hedge opportunity if you bet preseason super bowl odds the way that i do which is hit four different teams pick four teams who you think are going and hit them yeah the chiefs are just one of your regular at this point like you have to be hitting them every year because there's a chance that they win i mean when pat mahomes is has proven to be this Versatile, transcendent, and versatile in what he can do to you. Like, he came in the league. This guy's got a cannon of an arm. He's just going to kill you deep. We can't let him do that. So he starts tearing people up underneath. Like, last year in the playoffs, they were defending him for the underneath because they're like, on his leg, he can't sit back there and afford to get hit. He's got to get rid of the ball. And they still, he still was tearing up. I mean, there's no stopping Pat Mahomes. He is just that dude that was without a number one wide receiver on the team. Like they shipped out Tyreek Hill and he apparently got better. Like it doesn't, he defies logic. His worst game of the season last year was still 0.11 EPA per play, which would have been 12th for the full season. Not a single game of, let alone negative EPA, but not a single game, even even below league average EPA per play. And they've been the model of consistency since Andy Reid stepped foot in that team. I mean, even before Pat Mahomes ever winning the division every year. And you look at the AFC top to bottom, there's questions on a lot of places. Uh, a lot of teams that you're like, oh, we'll see about this. I can guarantee you that the Chiefs will be a top three seed if everybody stays healthy. Probably a one or a two seed. Probably between 12 and 14 wins. Probably another MVP for Patrick Mahomes. And... We'll see who, how the rest of it lines out. But, yeah, I mean. One thing I, think, one thing I, I do think want to touch on is, uh, sorry, we kept, we kept catching each other on like a gap there. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on is we had a lot of commenters on our Buffalo Bills video talking about how it's a, it's a BS argument to sit here and say, if Josh Allen gets hurt, I don't know. You could say the same thing about Pat Mahomes. And my rebuttal is, can you say the same thing about Pat Mahomes? Yeah, he got hurt. Like, I mean, Josh Allen got hurt last year, and he is the Bills' offense, right? He he need that offense puts a lot of weight on his back to produce the way they do. So does Kansas City, but when Pat Mahomes got hurt, they didn't miss a beat. They just kept doing it and doing it. Like, so that was was the heart of that argument. Is it's like. I'm not sure it Matt Mahomes won the Super Bowl on a partially broken leg. You know, like I mean I I'm just not sure what stops this guy. Yeah. And I mean their backup went ninety eight yards down the field in the AFC championship game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean th- there's there's a lot of reasons to believe that they, they who, will find ways now? to win. Um that would yeah, I'm not sure if I actually wrote that down. Because um, me, I don't remember. Tired. It's uh, Pat Mahomes with a haircut. 
I wouldn't be surprised if it's like Colt McCoy or something, but um, yeah, it don't matter. But then, yeah, there's nothing really else to say about this offense other than it begins and ends with Patrick Mahomes. Pacheco's really good for him. Hey, I'm excited for Sky Moore and Rashi Rice. And I didn't even like Rashi Rice in the draft, but I like Rashi Rice on the Chiefs because it's the Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, like I said, they just need one guy to step up here, and it could be Valdez Scantling, it could be Kadarius Tony, it could be Sky Moore. Could be Rashid Rice, who knows? Or maybe they make a trade. I don't. I don't know. But I, I don't one, think it matters. One interesting thing: Noah Gray came on late last season. Their backup tight end, yeah, and Jody Fortson even a little bit, but more Noah Gray. Of like, they might be able to start getting dangerous twelfth personnel. Yeah, and I mean, Travis Kelsey tight end, but I mean, he's he's your wide receiver one really yeah now so. on defense this d line starts and ends with chris jones <laughs> like it yeah. is everything for them if there's one player i am worried about injury wise like derailing this team it's probably chris jones. yeah but i mean so you got you got really good corners and mcduffie and snade nick bolton's one of the best linebackers in the league i love justin reed i loved him in houston I love him on this Kansas City team. Uh, maybe we can see a leap for Karloff this year, uh, coming into year two. His, so, for what it's worth, his advanced metrics were not super promising last year. Like, yeah. not that that's everything. Tape is gonna matter more. I didn't sit here and grind the all twenty-two on George Karloftis. His metrics were are just okay from last year. It's not like super exciting. I can tell. Yeah, but. Worst case scenario, you have a defense that lets up points, and I don't think anybody in the league wants to get in a shootout with the Chiefs. Yeah, so. and I mean they they added they added a few different nose tackles here. With I mean they they went and got Danny Shelton, who hasn't really played many snaps since 2020, but he's still there. Um, they they drafted Keandre Coburn out of Texas to beef up that middle. Like that they, they they're trying to make sure they can stop the run a little. I think. And then, I mean, Michael Dana did some nice stuff as a pass rush for him last year, limited snaps. So, yeah. you know, maybe you have a little something extra there, but the, the overall, the depth on the interior is really worrying. And the depth on the edge is really, really what, <laughs> what I want to know is, I don't know what the money was like, what was offered, but Nicole Hardman has to be regretting that decision going to the Jets right now. Yeah, to be the fifth string wide receiver, to be the fifth string wide receiver. Um, even if he's better than other guys on the field, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has his buddies in there, and plus, yeah, there, there's already, the a, yeah, and it was already a stacked wide receiver room to begin with. Like, I don't know, I, I don't know what influenced that decision if it was just purely money based, and then they just kept everyone and signed more people, then you're like, well. But yeah, would you rather be the fifth wide receiver on a Jets team making an extra couple hundred grand a year or have a chance to explode in the Chiefs offense and get 10x paid what the contract or even if had? even if you're going to be fifth string on either one, like would you rather be the pump returner in the Super Bowl like or, or with yeah. a better chance in the Super Bowl? Like I would I think that Yeah, I, I don't know what the specifics were. Maybe it was so much more money that, I mean, you always got to take care of you first. I mean, 
I'm yeah. not saying that, but I'm saying if the numbers were close, he's got to be just kicking up. Yeah. One thing I want to mention about the Chiefs defense, though, it seems like they always get better late in the season, every single year um, under Spags. And it's something that Spags really does well. He paces his defense for, for the marathon of the season. And they'll yeah. usually be like near 20th in the NFL for the first half of the year. But then the second top, half of the yeah. year, they're top 10 in almost everything. Like they were 10th in EPA per play, third in success rate um, from week nine on, ninth in dropback EPA per play, fifth in dropback success rate, sixth in rushing success rate, 14th in rushing EPA per play. Like they, they became a really good defense as the season was closing out which I don't think is a coincidence. Spags tends to get crazy in the first half too. Like he blitzes like crazy in the first half of the season. Yeah. And then he starts throwing change-ups in the second half. And it's got, because everyone's been studying their first half film and going like, this is what we're seeing. These are the trends. And it's just like, he completely throws it off. Yeah. I love Spags. He's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, we could talk about, I could talk about the Chiefs all day, but I don't know what else there is to say. I mean, they're the best team in the division. They're probably the best team in the AFC. They're the gold standard right now in the NFL. Um, to me, until they're, de- until they're dethroned, I mean. They did lose a lot this, this offseason, but like, I feel like they covered it mostly. Outside of edge, that's the one spot I'm still worried. But honestly, or edge and interior low, but honestly, there's some guys that I wouldn't be shocked if they go out and grab. Like, if you're a veteran free agent, this is where you want. I mean, I saw a list of free agents today, and there's still tons of people out there, especially yeah. looking for one-year deals and stuff like that. Then also on top of that, I mean, unless Patrick Mahomes renegotiates that contract pretty soon, it's going to be the most team-friendly contract in the NFL in two years. Yeah. And then one other spot that is – a little concerning is safety second round pick from last year brian cook is probably jumping into the starter role with uh juan thornhill yeah. leading town so that's that that's a spot where you just don't really know what you have yet but i mean we'll see i i, I trust this coaching staff to, to develop and get it right yeah no, i agree 100 uh yeah best team best team in football i mean reigning reigning champions been to three out of the past four Super Bowls, like. Dude, I mean, do you see the eight straight playoff appearance, seven straight division titles, one head coach in the last five years, only 18 yeah. losses in the last five years. That's what like is it? Holmes in the last five years. Five straight, five straight AFC championship appearances. Yeah, it's just disgusting. Yeah. All right, moving on to the <laughs> formerly San Diego Superchargers. Yeah. It, Chargers are going to charge her. I don't know. Uh, here we are again. Great team on paper. Uh, I don't know why they drafted Mike Williams when they already have Mike Williams. That's better than one Mike Williams. Another, like, Quentin Johnson Mike is like a, quit, he, he's a reincarnate of Mike Williams. Maybe he can stay healthy. I don't know. I don't know. I but, think he's a little bit. He's pretty different like stylistically like frame and athleticism I think they're really similar but he's not the aggressive downfield go up and get it guy that Mike Williams is I don't think that's just not his play style 
I wasn't a big fan of him in this draft. Uh, going as early as he was going. What? Uh, he ended up going 21. Yeah, I think 21 was fair for him. I, I, yeah. I the top 10 was was a little yeah, I thought the, yeah, so 21 sound, sounds more right, actually. I just remember all the mocks. I, I was like, this is not a top 10 to 14 no. guy. But guy that big, that fast, ain't getting out of the first round. So yeah. that makes it tracks. I mean, it kind of falls on Justin Herbert here. I mean, what what are what Justin Herbert are we going to get this year? Because if he can get to what he can be, then you got a squad here. I mean, you got Rashawn Slater, one of my favorite offensive linemen in the league. Uh, Corey Lindsay at coming back healthy. Center. Austin Eckler just putting up stupid numbers year after year after year. It seems like, and then. Well, he's only good at running the football in the red zone. (laughs) (laughs) Still good numbers. Um, And then Everett played well for him at tight end. And then you go to defense. And this is one of those teams where it's like you can be a casual fan and you can name seven guys in their defense. You're like, oh, I know who that is. Eric Kendrick, oh, yeah, I know who that is. Derwin James, oh, yeah, I know who that is. Asante Samuel Jr., oh, yeah, I know who that is. Nick, or Joey Bosa, Sebastian Joseph Day, Khalil Mack. I mean, they just get dudes that people know, and a lot of them are good. Man, <laughs> I, should be good. So, I'm going to start with quarterback here. Justin Herbert, I want to give him a break. Right. Fractured rib cartilage in week two. Six to seven week recovery time, played through it, probably extended a little bit. Tore his labrum in his non-throwing shoulder last year, had off-season surgery. I want to give him a break, but at the same time, he ranked 29th in deep accuracy last year. The year before, he ranked fourth, but as a rookie, he ranked 23rd. So I'm still questioning deep accuracy. It goes up and down year to year. Which one is more reliable? One that he's done twice or the one that he's done once? Intermediate accuracy. Ranked 21st last year, 20th the year before, 30th the year before. Again, I'm sitting here questioning, like, these numbers should be better. He's he's a better quarterback than that. And I'm not sure why they are so rough. Um, I want to give him the break for that up up and down play. His, His season was an absolute roller coaster. Seven of his 17 games last year, he had a negative EPA per play. Four of the games, he was just average. Six of the games, he was above average. So he was bad more often than he was above average, which is not, that, that is the definition of a roller coaster, right? That's like in Chicago, we call that good Bex, good Rex, bad Rex. That's not the <laughs> play that you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, and granted, he is not Rex Grossman in his bad days. Rex Grossman in his <laughs> bad days was on hold. But <laughs> anyways... I'm I'm rooting for Herbert. I think that he is better than this. I think some of it was the offense that he was playing in. They didn't cater to his downfield passing ability, which I think is there despite the rough, deep passing and intermediate passing stats in, in a few yeah. of the, in the last few years. I the arm talent's there. You watch the tape, you see it. You see what this guy can sling, how he can sling the football, and you want to believe it. But the numbers are not showing that through, and I'm not wholly sure why. I think you get him in more, a bit more play action, 
He ranked 12th in play action use last year, which is solid. But 38% of his touchdown passes came on play action. He only used a 28%. Like, I feel like there's probably some disconnect there. Get some better running game around him. Like, Austin Eckler's great. He's awesome. But this offense needs a more bread and butter run game. Austin Eckler is not your bread and butter running back. Like, he's great in the red zone. Shockingly, his tiny self is great in the red zone. But outside of that, and a lot of that probably comes down to the spread concepts that they run too, with all the all the weapons that they do have. Yeah. That really helps them spread the field out and give Eckler bit big areas to attack. Um now, one thing that I did find that was really like whoa to me with this offense. This is just a different team when Keenan Allen's on the just a different yeah. offense. Weeks two through 10 without him, the offense was 22nd in EPA per play. Weeks 11 oh. through 18 with him, they were 12th in EPA per play, fourth in success rate. They, so without him, they were 27th in success rate. With him, they were fourth. Yeah. That is ludicrous. That is a ludicrous gap. How, how old is Kidden Allen? I feel like he's got to be like, 37 is he one of these guys that's like secretly like only like 31 he's yeah he's younger than you think like he looks old too in his pictures i feel like he's just been in the league for so long yeah he has he's i want to say he's like 32 31 32 but his i mean his 31 outside of being injured last year like born 17 days after me (laughs) he uh he missed, like I said, what was it, weeks two through 10 last year, which, you know, that's where the age gets you. But w- when he was healthy on the field, his production did not drop a bit. So I'm still believe as long as he's on the field, I'm a believer in the player that he is. And remember, I mean, la- last offseason when I was like, he's always hurt. And you're like, yeah, people seem to think that, but he literally never misses game. And then he missed half the season. The season. So, jinx that. Sorry, Keenan. That's on us. <laughs> um, That's on us. Well, he missed a ton of games early in his career, and he got that reputation in like fantasy leagues and stuff of like yeah. he's always hurt. And then he played like four straight seasons without missing season without a game. missing a game. <laughs> um, this O line, I, I like their starting lineup a lot. Actually, I mean, I'm not big on Trey Pipkins, but he's fine at right tackle. Like he's going to get the job done. Uh, Jamari Salier stepped in last year at left tackle for them really well after Rayshon Slater went down. So he, he got kicked over to guard now and he's starting this year. And I think that's only going to help his play. Yeah. Uh, Zion Johnson is probably my biggest question mark here. And you just got to trust the draft pedigree there. He had some rough times last year, but the trajectory was going up yeah. towards the end of the year. So you look at the schedule, they have strength schedule at six. Which you gotta play the Chiefs twice, so that's gonna that's gonna really impact your strength schedule. But very early bye week, another one of these teams, the early bye week that I know players hate. But opening up the season, you don't play the Chiefs before your bye week, which is tough. So you got Miami, then at Tennessee, at Minnesota. I think both of those are winnable games. Then Raiders, the winnable game. I could see them. Three and one, but brutal, brutal stretch coming off the bye. Uh, you got Dallas coming to LA, probably be a, like home home game for Dallas. I mean, 
I don't think the Charger fan in the world can hold it down over there in SoFi. Then you got to go to Kansas City. Then Chicago comes in, which even if they're not good, Justin Fields is going to just give your defense absolute hell. After that, you got to go to New York and then back home to Detroit. Like that's a that's a brutal stretch coming off a bye, a brutal four game stretch, and then you still have the rest of your season after that. Like the schedule makers did absolutely no favors whatsoever for this team. Yeah, it's tough. It is just like this is just a brutal schedule for them. And then you you end at home against Kansas City. It's like. So, the only thing good about Kansas City being your last game is that there's a good chance they have the division wrapped up and you're fighting for a playoff spot and maybe they beat you out of spite so you don't make the playoffs. Or hopefully that... Best case scenario for the Chargers, the Chiefs have nothing to play for week 17. Man, I just... I don't know. I'm just skeptical on this roster. I'm not going to lie. This defense feels so top-heavy. And just extremely reliant on Derwin James, Joey Bosa, Cleo Mack, and Asante Samuel. Yeah. Joey Bosa hasn't been healthy for like for even most of a season. It feels like in Cleo a few Mack years. Wasn't. Cleo Mack I'd have wasn't. to double check that number, Cleo but Mack like, Mack yeah, yeah. When, when Mack and Bosa were on the field together, they were pretty darn good. They weren't on the field together very often. Yeah. And really, I just man, I look at this interior D line. And I just, I don't see anyone who I'm confident at, at at being a plus starter. No. And funny thing about this team or this the quarterback position, remember like immediately after everybody was like, oh, Herbert over Tua, Herbert over Tua, like can't believe that was ever debated. Herbert's so much better, blah, blah, blah. And like now we're what, three years in and it's like, it was pretty freaking good. And Herbert is a roller coaster. So it's like, was it the seal of the century? Like it was brought up to be like a year. You know, I think it got, it's, it's never as bad as it's made out to be. It's not, you know, and it's never as good as yeah. it's made out. Like it's always more in the middle. Like I, I still, I think both Herbert teams are still happy, too, but like it's, yeah. I, I don't, um, I don't, I don't think Miami still like holds any regret over taking Tua. And I don't think the Chargers are like, oh, man, like, I wish Tua would have fell to us and they took Herbert. I mean, I, I, I feel like both both teams are happy with who they got. But I just remember, like, that first couple seasons, everybody was like, oh, my God, can you believe yeah. the Dolphins passed on Herbert? Like, what an idiot franchise. And it's like, oh, maybe it wasn't so bad. I'm willing to bet some of that was Dolphin scouts looking it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> because they there were there were that room was pretty divided. If memory yeah. serves correct. But um you look at my big stats with two on the field and it's like, oh yeah. He's that dude. Yeah. Now my big question for this Chargers team is they, how are they gonna stop the how are they gonna stop the run? This was the worst run def- one of the bottom three run defenses in the NFL last year. And you got two teams in the division that I would assume Broncos are going to try to run the ball. Yeah. And Raiders definitely going to be running the ball. Yeah. So you're, you got four guaranteed games of people wanting to run the ball within the division. 
And the Chiefs may fuck around one week and be like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna run the ball twenty seven times today because nobody yeah. thinks we'll do that." Well, and, and I'm just not that. sure that they have the personnel to play. We don't care if you run the ball; you're not going to pass on us football. Like I just, yeah. the, the pass rushers are there if they're healthy in Mac and Bosa, but like that's the well, big Dur- question the, there. Derwin James is one of the best safeties in the NFL when he's healthy, but I mean he yeah. hasn't really seen well, healthy. James is. I feel like he's more of a Swiss Army knife than a guy that you really want to just say this half of the field yeah. is you, like you know, or this quarter of the field. We're going to condense it down for you. You're going to get a bunch of interceptions. Like I don't think that's the player he is. I, I think he's an outstanding football player, but I think it's just a different role that you tend to play him in. Travis Kelsey, and, nightmare. Yeah. Well, and really, the thing that gets me is this cornerback room, and it's the big wild card. You can get past the run defense just being bad and having a scheme that you're saying, run it all you want on us, we don't care, because you have a quarterback who is really talented. And if J.C. Jackson is any near anything close to what you paid for, you can do that. But if he's not, this all gets really... You don't have him really quick. No, he, did. He, he he was benched last year, and then he got hurt. Oh, I thought, like I thought he, he was still hurt. Uh, he's recovering. Um, he should be ready for camp, is what I read. But Michael Davis came in and played pretty darn well in his stead last year. But the other big question here is, Michael Davis doesn't play nickel. J.C. Jackson doesn't play nickel. You have three outside corners, and Jasir... Taylor is your starting nickel right now and largely unproven. Only played 17% of the snaps last year. And you really have very little behind those four guys. Like, I I can see this getting ugly really quick for them on defense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the Chargers is always about health. I don't know if it's cursed or what, but Nobody on this team can stay healthy. Rashawn Slater went down last year. Keenan Allen went down last year. Joey Bosa went down last year. I don't know if Darren James went down, but I feel like he goes down every year as good of a player as he is. He's been pretty healthy. He played 80% of the snaps last year. Okay. So, yeah, he's coming into his own there. Uh, Santa Samuel either got hurt last year or his rookie year? Or was his rookie year, year. He played 93% of the snaps last year. Okay, so he's starting to stay a little bit healthy. But, I mean, it just uh, – Chargers are going to charge her. So, I mean, looking at the one total, nine and a half seems super high. If, I, if I'm forced to take this, I'm taking the under. I think eight eight to nine wins is perfect for this team. Um, playoffs, now, even money. I was just going to say, I think um, the one thing that the, the, the big elephant in the room with them is that's a lot of weapons on offense. If Justin yeah. Herbert is who we all think he is, it might not matter. But he needs to prove that he's that. Yeah, and I've been waiting on Josh Kelly to break out for what seems like a decade now. Yeah, I know it's not that long, but like, good thing I'm not. I I just joined my first dynasty league this year because the last four years I probably would have given up so much for Josh Kelly being the next guy in LA. Um, How about Isaiah Spiller? What? How about Isaiah Spiller? 
that too. I mean, you like to, <laughs> yeah. I always like those potential guys in LA. Um, but yeah, it gotta stay healthy. Eckler is, is, I don't know. I mean, it's tough, man. Good team on paper. Yeah. Fair enough. Over, I mean, Fair this enough. offense, Quentin Johnson, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, Gerald Everett, that, that scares NFL. Herbert. Justin Herbert has everything he needs as long as they stay healthy, which is just, again, a big question. It's the Charger curse. So, sorry to the Charger fan out there. I'm taking under on wins. Uh, I'm taking no on the playoffs. Uh, well, at, at minus 120, I probably won't take no on the playoffs, but I don't think they make the playoffs. Yeah. I'm taking under on wins. Um, not because I don't think they're good enough to win more than nine and a half games, and not that I don't think they're good enough to make the playoffs or win the division, but Chargers going to Charger. That's I mean, all there is to it. I'm with you. I I could see them at nine wins, and that I I can really see them at nine wins, and that like I think yeah. I, I think I the, could, if I'm taking anything, it's under, but I'm just not really. So I could see I could like like I said about the Broncos. I can see nine wins making the playoffs, and I can see the Chargers. Let's see, going down the schedule, tying the Raiders like week. 16 who looked to be one of the worst teams in football and having eight and a half wins and missing the playoffs because they tied the Raiders who might only have two wins on the season. I just, I feel a lot more like... That feels right. Yeah. I feel it's like it's a lot more likely that this is the year that Brandon Staley gets the boot as opposed to gets a contract extension. You know what I mean? Like that's, it it feels like it's trending the wrong direction for him and it gets harder and harder to turn that around. I think, and not say he can, because he can, but like, he's got to do it. Yeah, do it. They'll go go hire uh, Lincoln Riley. He doesn't got to move. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Trying to get his OC. (laughs) <laughs> Run it back, boys. All right. Uh, all right. Let's get to the Raiders. Who? The Raiders. Raiders. <laughs> Yours is better than mine. You beat me. <laughs> okay. So I'm very skeptical on this roster well this, like this more team, than the others so I, I think this team could either go like one and 16 or like 11 and six i think one and 16 or like eight eight <laughs> okay eight, so nine Jim, and eight say what you want about jimmy g he he wins games in a very boring way he commands an offense doesn't turn the ball over we'll see what josh mcdaniels has but he's not going to put this offense in a in a situation to fail. So as long as their defense can keep it close, and you look at Max Crosby, one of the best players in the league, they bring in Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech, absolute freak of nature. If he can be a dominant force on that defensive line with Max Crosby, that defensive line is going to be 
something to fear for sure. And Josh Jacobs was incredible last year. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, if everything goes right, I could see them being a double-digit win team. But we're more than likely looking at a single-digit win team. Yeah, I mean, I here's where I came down. To, like, going through everything I could find on them. It's really just, they're going to run the ball well. Josh McDaniel showed the ability to scheme up a good run, run offense last year that really excelled. It was the backbone of the offense last year. And I expect it to be that again this year. But unless it's San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan levels of efficient, it's just going to be worse than what San Francisco was last year. With Jimmy G at quarterback, San Francisco averaged 24 points a game. And I'm not sure this defense is holding many people under 20 points a game, which means you have a lot of coin flips. You have a lot of luck playing into everything that you have there. Because, I mean, this is not the San Francisco 49ers defense, ultimately. And... Their run game might be close to San Francisco, but you throw in the whole health question with Jimmy G at that point too. Like, I like their weapons. Yeah. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Hunter Renfro. Maybe he might be traded. I don't know. I mean, bringing in Michael Mayer, I think it is a nice move. They have a nice tight end room. Their yeah, own line is actually kind of surprisingly decent, despite being like Andre James and Alex Bars are two like UDFA types. I'm not sure if Andre James was a UDFA. Alex Bars was I know that. Uh, Dylan Parhar, Parham, he took some lumps last year, but I think that there is a little something there to work with. And I like their bookends on the O-line. Like, I, it's it's not that I don't think that they have talent. It's that Jimmy G has missed six games a year over the last five years on average. Yeah. And you're going, to, you're going to Axel Bryan, the destroyer Hoyer when Jimmy G goes down and I'm just not sure that that's the best strategy at this point in yeah. his career. And again, this defense, I, unless they're going to be like San Francisco levels of good, I just don't see how this team is winning double digit games. So, I mean, if Chandler Jones can play at a high level and Max Crosby continues to be Max Crosby, which is in my opinion, the top three defense player in the entire league. And then you get high production out of Tyree Wilson that's going to elevate the entire defense when you got three three guys on the defensive line that can absolutely wreck your shit at a given time. I think that's going to help. Being able to control the offensive line with the run or control the offensive side of the ball with the run game will help. Having Devontae Adams there, one of the best receivers in the league, helped. Michael Meyer, one of the best receiving tight end prospects we've seen in a very, very long time, helps. Um, and then you still have Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro, maybe. Uh, Zamir White, I like a lot. Uh, so, I mean, there's things to hang your hat on here. And as we looked at we looked at the schedule, I mean, supposedly they have a harder strength to schedule than the Chargers do. But when you break it down, like, I like the way the schedule breaks for them. Like, going to Denver week one, Denver's a hard place to play. They're more talented than you. You have to go there week one. Let's say, let's say you can go and get that win, and then you go to Buffalo in September. Like, there's not a better time to play in Buffalo than September. And then you have Pittsburgh coming to you after that, which isn't the worst thing in the world. And then you have Chargers, Green Bay, Chicago, Detroit, Giants, Jets. 
pretty good stretch there where best case scenario, you can win some games there. And then you go to Miami and then Kansas City comes in. Two tough games. But you have a late bye, which is good. So if if you're anywhere close to being in the hunt at that point, a late bye is incredible. And then especially considering you come off the bye with Minnesota and the Chargers coming to you. And two more winnable games there. I mean, we don't we don't know what Minnesota's gonna look like. Chargers are always hurt at the end of the season. And then you end the end the season going to Kansas City, which you gotta do either way. But a late game at Kansas City. If you're gonna play Kansas City, hopefully it's late in the season, I always say. And then at Indy and then Denver to finish it off. I mean for the second hardest strength of schedule, I think it breaks for them in every way possible to like set them up for success. They'll win games that they win the coin toss in. Yeah. I think it's as simple as that. I mean, I look at this schedule, I see a bunch of teams who are going to be really good at running the football whenever they want to. And I am not sure that this offense can play from behind. Jimmy Garoppolo in his since getting to San Francisco is six and ten in the only sixteen games where he was asked to throw the football at a sixty percent Yeah. And he is thirty two and seven in games where he was asked to throw below a sixty percent clip. Sixty percent isn't high. That that's low to begin with. So like you, this is not a, a well, quarterback that they can't can the put the weight of the offense on and if they get if they fall behind, this offense might shatter. Like he has a negative EPA per play in those games where he's asked to, to use the, to have that higher. Utility. And but the reason I the say the, the reason I say they got to win the coin flip is because they got to get a lead. And I think teams will just be able to march right down the field this defense. And they were thirtieth in run success rate know. last year as a defense. Their, their D-line really does not have a lot that can stop the run up the middle. Their edges are great. Max Crosby is a stud. If Jones can become close to what you paid for, you are excited. I think Tyree Wilson might even end up kicking inside here and there just based on the way the roster play, plays out here. But that's all pass rushing stuff. They Crosby can play the run well. Tyree Wilson can play the run on the edge. But like up the middle... They don't have a linebacker on this roster over 235 pounds. I guess I'll welcome them. They better. <laughs> like, they need some size, man. This this D-line is lacking run stuffers. Their linebackers are light, and their safeties struggled to tackle last year. I, I'm just not sure that any team is going to even try to pass on them. Yeah, so are you in the... So- Let's let's put this Raiders team. You're in two different categories. Are you a don't sleep on the Raiders believer, or are you a tank for Caleb Raiders believer? Tank for Caleb. I think I think that's the right move. I think I think bringing in an elite quarterback into this and give yourself time to build on a rookie contract with a guy like Caleb Williams. There is this team's really well constructed for a lot of optimism there. But if Jimmy G goes out there and wins you seven games, that could absolutely tr- trade wreck your entire future for the next eight years, I think. 
Yeah. I think worst case scenario, you win seven to nine games because I don't know how this team gets better in the offseason if they if they don't or if they're not able to draft a Drake May or a Caleb Williams. And I wouldn't even put Drake May in that conversation right now. It's mainly just Caleb Williams. I guess Quinn Ewers could go out there and ball out this season. You got three quarterbacks up there, but I mean Quinn Ewers really hasn't shown it yet. Um, there's a lot of questions with his throwing mechanics yeah so i mean we're 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 hoping and praying on guys that aren't caleb williams but caleb williams is one of the most surefire prospects i've seen in a long long time there's some Uh, there's some advanced data that says that like it loves caleb williams but it says you should also love drake may like there's some some advanced numbers that are really impressive. They said the same thing about Sam Howell before the year that he had. No, analytics didn't say the same thing about Sam Howell. What did the analytics say about Sam Howell? People on Twitter who saw highlights like me said that about Sam. Well, what about what did the analytics say about Will Levis? Because Kentucky fans were <laughs> Kentucky fans were convinced he was the best quarterback in the nation. They didn't say anything very good about Will. Levis. <laughs> I didn't think so. Still not a believer in Will Levis. Draft him in Dynasty though, because he went to <laughs> he went to a good coaching staff and um, he has all the intangibles. He's just hey, not a good quarterback. Shout out for Nate Hobbs though. Nate Hobbs is a baller on Stevens. I do like Nate. Shout out and Amik Robertson doing his thing at like five foot seven. He's a, he's a baller at that height. Same with Duke Shelley, but like having two of those guys starting at the same time is working. Yeah. Me. So I, I don't know what the value is here. Um, I would say if you can get alternate odds on like under five wins at plus money, that would be the play here because I'm absolutely taking under seven yeah. and a half wins. But I'm I'm sure minus seven and a half or under seven and a half will be like. Minus 150, minus 250, somewhere around there. But if you can find odds like where you can like pick the wins and take the total, I'll take under five wins this time. Yeah. I mean, I could see a situation where like Denver, Buffalo, Pittsburgh just make life hard on these guys and it starts to unravel for McDaniels like it did in the past. I don't, I mean, he has supposedly grown. And it's uh, supposedly he's a different different coach now. So do like, they, that would do be they keep word. McDaniels if they get the number one pick and you bring in Caleb Williams? Do you keep McDaniels I, there? I think it all depends on how how he's managing the locker room if they're losing that like that, and how he's yeah. how you see him in the facility, and how you know his mental health is going, and how his you know he is interacting with others. And like I think there's yeah. a lot of factors that go into that. So, they host the Super Bowl this year, I believe, right? I think so. So, big time name of McDaniels. You bring in Devontae Adams. Uh, you go draft Michael Mayer. I mean, these are all new things. Max Crosby is one of the best players in the league. Uh, you go pay all this money for Chandler Jones. It doesn't work out with Derek Carr. He's out the door. Mike McDaniels really hasn't shown anything of promise. Like, what do you do? One game was great last year. Yeah. Well, Josh Jacobs was great last year. But uh, what do you do if you're the Raiders, if they are mediocre? What do you do if you go 6-11 and 11 or 7-10? and 10? 
That's the worst like, case scenario. You'll, you'll be picking purgatory. You'll be picking ten to twelve. Trade up. Devont. Trade up. Trade up. After Justin Fields balls out, and the Bears have like the number two pick from Carolina. Fingers crossed. Not that I don't actually think they're going to be that bad, but if it all goes Carolina's right, gonna be good. Go trade up with the Chicago Bears and get your quarterback. I mean, you look at the teams that are going to be bad, and I. I don't know. I, I don't know because it's one of those quarterback drafts where most likely the people picking in the area of where the quarterbacks will be aren't moving. Yeah, that's why you got to hope that Justin Fields is good this year and Carolina's bad if you're one of these teams. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the best case scenario is that Carolina ends up the worst team in football. But I don't think that's the case. I love their roster and they're in the worst division in the NFL. We'll get to that in a couple weeks, but yeah. But, alright, so looking at this division as a as a whole, I mean, I think it, it's the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs. Chiefs for the champion, or AFC championship. Chiefs for the Super Bowl. Give me Broncos make playoffs. Give me Broncos make playoffs. I'm down with that. I think, I'll take two teams make playoffs here, and I think it's Broncos Chiefs. I, I think the Chargers are capable. I'm just not betting. Chargers are going to Charger. On paper, on paper, I mean, they could compete for the division. But we've said it year in, year, in, year out. Chargers are going to Charger. Charge it up. So who, who are we not sleeping on out of all the teams we've covered so far? I mean, the Broncos are too clear of one, I think. I don't think we can say the Broncos. So it's still got to be got to be your guys. I forgot who my guys are. Texans, baby. Oh, yeah. CJ Shroud and the boys. Yeah, we're not sleeping on the Texans. They get they get one more receiver in that room. Woohoo, man. <laughs> yeah. We don't see, I couldn't re- I I know I like the Texans this year, but I was like, I had a brain fart on who we've already covered and stuff. So yeah, definitely not sleeping on the Texans. I, I think that's that's gotta be the clear pick. So far, yeah, I want I want to get because I think the NFC is going to have the biggest don't sleep ons because it's so weak. It's weak and wide open all at the same time. So, does um, this? Do we have another AFC division? Nope, we're moving to NFC next week. What are we doing? NFC South next week? Sure. NFC South or NFC West? Let's let's start with the, the West. West first. Yeah. Um, West Coast is the best coast. Yeah, get off some Geno takes. Excited for it. All right. Well, anything you want to say about free agency? Anything about these free agents left over? I mean, there's a whole slew of them. Eh, there's no, I mean, nah, I got nothing. I mean, I, I got nothing to add on free agency. All right. What about Jamar Chase saying that? Pat who? We're a little bit late on that, but. I didn't catch that. I didn't know he said that. Okay. So they were interviewing Jamar Chase. And they were like, so we were talking to Joe Burrow. We asked him who the best quarterback in the league was. And he said Patrick Mah- or he, he said Pat was the best quarterback and he was number two. Who in your mind is the best quarterback in the league? And he goes, Pat who? And then Patrick Mahomes posted on Twitter his two Super Bowl rings, and he said, that's who. 
<laughs> yeah, don't don't go poking the giant. Like I, I don't know if that's the right. best choice. I, I understand you've won three out of the last four against them, but they've also won a Super Bowl in that time, and you lost the Super Bowl you went to. And then the other two games that you won were regular season. So, okay. Pump the brakes there, Jamar. I love Jamar Chase. Ah, I love Joe Burrow. But it's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the best tree to bark up. Yeah. Even if you got the winning record, like he's got the rings, man. Yeah. I mean, like I said, three and one, but one and one in the playoffs. And the one you won the playoffs, you lost the Super Bowl. The one they won in the playoffs, they, beat, they won the Super Bowl. So. Yeah. Regular season doesn't matter. When you're the Chiefs or the, or the Bengals at that point. It's like, you know, you're going to win the division. You know, you're probably going to be competing yeah. for a championship. Like, regular season doesn't matter. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, I think that's it for this week. So, we're not sleeping on the Texans. AFC team, not sleeping on the Texans. Don't do it. DJ Stroud and the boys. Get one receiver in there. Get you gig. Might even be Devontae Adams or Hunter Riffro. Because this Las Vegas Raiders team is going nowhere. Ooh, hot takes. Well, we'll see y'all next week. Shout out to Lori for coming on and talking Broncos. I'm excited to listen. You're a Broncos fan. Go check out her work. Yeah, Lori Lattimore Bulkman. Check her out on Twitter at DocLV. And thank you so much, Lori, for joining. Sorry I couldn't make it appreciate your time so thank you so much and we will see y'all next week don't sleep on the texans adios